Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to stories of discipleship and putting Scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I'm the Communications Director for the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, comprised of just fewer than 1,000 churches throughout Kansas and Nebraska. I'm also a certified lay minister in the United Methodist Church, so what you hear on this show truly comes to you in layman's terms. I have more than 25 years' experience teaching the Bible to everyone from teenagers to 90-somethings, and I served as a journalist for 20 years prior to entering ministry. So I'm excited to share with you stories of disciples in action and to explore with you what the Bible has to teach us in the 21st century. Some episodes focus on a person or church doing great things to serve as the hands and feet of Christ. Some episodes feature interviews with experts who can help us along our faith journey. Still others include short reflections on Scripture. Thank you for joining me. I was 21 years old in the fall semester of 1993. I was working three jobs. My dad's lawn care business was starting to transition to a sports field construction and redesign company. I was a sports correspondent for the Wichita Eagle, and I was working both on the sports design desk and designing news pages at the University of Daily Kansan. And I was getting married that June. I was taking 15 hours of courses at KU, the University of Kansas. Saturday was usually my only night off to rest, and even that went by the wayside when KU had a home basketball game. Add to it that while my parents paid my tuition, I was responsible for paying my living expenses, thus the three jobs. And it's fairly easy to understand why I was so stressed during that, well, really the whole year. And I know I'm not alone. Just about everyone feels stress. It varies wildly from person to person. Degree of stress is different from one person to another. And it's not just adults. I know kids feel it too. And stress is one of those reasons that social scientists say that we're facing what they've labeled our dropout culture. They point to the number of kids who don't complete requirements for graduation from high school. Kansas and Nebraska, that number is about 11% for both states. Though I gotta say, it's only fair to point out that actually they've improved dramatically in that number since the year 2000. We've known that people drop out of marriages for a long time, especially in this country, and it's usually due to stresses within the relationship. Experts say that about 41% of first marriages end in divorce. And for second marriages, that number is even higher, around 60%. Even careers are impacted. We had the great resignation that seemed to start during the pandemic that appears to have curtailed a bit now. Voluntary quit rates peaked at 3.2%, which doesn't sound like all that much, but it equates to about 40 million American workers. More than half of those did so due to stress over money, workplace environment, or other factors. But it's kind of interesting. Recently, a poll published by CNBC says that about 80% of people who change jobs out of frustration are now regretting that they left their former employer or situation. Unfortunately, this dropout culture thing, this phenomenon, well, it stretches also to the church. See, people tend to drop out of families, 
school, society, and even their congregations. So in this series, as we pack for our metaphorical lifelong journey on the ark, we've been pondering what needs to go with us. And so in this installment of the series, I encourage us to pack a little perseverance for the journey through life. The late Reverend James Moore, in his book upon which I'm basing this series, identifies four reasons people drop out. We'll take a look briefly at those four concepts. But first, let's ground ourselves in Scripture by looking at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6-18. through It's a letter from the Apostle Paul to his trainee, Timothy, who is doing work in Ephesus. I'm already being poured out like a sacrifice to God, and the time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight, finished the race, and kept the faith. At last the champion's wreath that is awarded for righteousness is waiting for me. The Lord, who is the righteous judge, is going to give it to me on that day. He's given it not only to me, but also to all those who have set their heart on waiting for his appearance. Do your best to come to me quickly. Demas has fallen in love with the present world and has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. He's been a big help to me in the ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring along the coat I left with Carpus and Troas. Also bring the scrolls and especially the parchments. Alexander, the craftsman who works with metal, has really hurt me. The Lord will pay him back for what he's done, but watch out for him because he opposes our teaching. No one took my side at my first court hearing. Everyone deserted me. I hope that God doesn't hold it against them, but the Lord stood by me and gave me strength so that the entire message would be preached through me and so all nations could hear it. I was also rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil action and will save me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and always. Amen. Paul was devastated, or at least it seems that way to me. He seems to think that his death is drawing near. A trusted colleague named Demas has deserted him. Others have gone away as well. And there are still others, particularly someone named Alexander, who has hurt him in some way and is actively opposing what Paul is teaching about Jesus. And it sounds like nobody took his side during his court date. So needless to say, Paul is stressed. And that's the first of the four reasons people drop out. Sometimes when things get hot, people don't know how to cope, so they just drop out and they look elsewhere. Do you remember a movie from quite a ways back now titled, Oh God? Well, there's a sequel called, Oh God, Book Two. They both starred George Burns. In the second movie, there's a little girl who asks God why bad things happen. And God, played by George Burns, says simply, well, that's how the system works. And if you're like me, you're not satisfied with that answer. But if you listen a little bit more closely, the answer to her question, well, we have to ponder what George Burns tells her and think maybe God has that in mind for us too. George Burns' character says back to the little girl, Would we know up without a down? Would we know a front without a back? 
George Burns says, I discovered that if I took away sad, I take away happy. They go together. In other words, to experience all the great things in life, sometimes we have to endure the bad. Not to make too light of this subject, but there's a cute poster of a cat with some good advice for us. The cat's hanging, depends on the poster. Sometimes it's a line, like a clothesline. Sometimes it's a, a limb of a tree, but it simply says, hang in there as the cat hangs on with his two paws. Of course, sometimes that's easier said than done. Second, people drop out when they are disagreed with. This is when you have an idea, but it's rejected, and frankly, some people just can't handle being told no. I learned long ago that, as my wife says, I'm not all that and a bag of chips. The first of three publishers that I worked for in Utah, uh, this was back in the early 2000s, had a thought that not all conflict was bad. His name was Brent, and I really respected him. Respect him still to this day. He argued that conflict was necessary sometimes for success. He said that it fosters discussion. It generates real, genuine dialogue and not just platitudes. I think he knew that compromise often provides the best of all sides and provides better results in the long run. During his time at our company, we greatly increased our revenue there. I think we ended up at more than $15 million a year. And that's for a newspaper in a community a little smaller than Lawrence, Kansas, just for reference. We grew to the peak of that company's paid circulation during that time. Morale was as good there as any place I've ever worked. And because we had real discussions, we found really, really good solutions to even the most difficult of problems. Some people, though, well, they just absolutely have to have it their way. Which I would just say, you know what, life is not like a Burger King commercial. A third reason people drop out is they feel left out. And the church, unfortunately, is pretty much infamous for this. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said something along the lines of, one of the most segregated hours of the week is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, because that's when we all go to worship. We tend not to co-mingle with people who are different than us. It's a sad truth that stays true to this day. Most of you know I'm a United Methodist, and our denomination has been going through another era of people feeling left out. This time it's our LGBTQ plus brothers and sisters, but it's not an exclusive to that group. We as a church, the universal church, we say we want more kids and more youth, for example, but what do we do to make them feel comfortable and to make worship more appealing to them? How do we make things more welcoming to people who aren't the middle-class, white, heterosexual norm. I think we struggle with that. Now, of course, feeling left out does tend to work both ways. Sometimes people choose not to be part of a community of faith and get offended when people don't know them. My wife's ministry goes back way more years than mine does, and I've been around when someone felt offended that she didn't visit them in the hospital or know the challenges they were facing. They didn't take into account that, well, they hadn't been in worship for, in some cases, more than a year, and they didn't respond to emails, calls, or letters, and by the way, they didn't bother to contact anyone to let them know that was happening to them, so I guess they expected her to be clairvoyant? I think that happens more often to pastors than what people realize. Finally, sometimes people feel overwhelmed. There's a great story that I heard about Andrew Carnegie. 
The New York Philharmonic had a debt of $60,000, which in that day was an enormous amount of money. And so the treasurer goes to Mr. Carnegie as one of their biggest benefactors, and Andrew starts to write a check, but then he stops. He suggests that, you know, if he loves the music, surely others did too. So maybe the Philharmonic should go and ask others and raise half the money. And if they could, he would write a check for the rest. It's one of the first documented uh, times where there's been a matching grant. Well, the treasurer for the group leaves, comes back the next day, and said that indeed he has raised $30,000 for the match. And so Andrew pulls out the checkbook, and he's getting ready to write the check. And as he does, he just casually asks, who donated the other half? The treasurer looked at Mr. Carnegie and said, Mrs. Carnegie. I know the story's kind of humorous to us now, but the concept it illustrates is real. You see, I think Andrew Carnegie felt like he had to do it all, and sometimes we feel that way too, on stuff that's much more serious than writing a check to a philanthropic group. And maybe that's what happened to Demas in the scripture that Paul shares with us. Demas was a companion. He was a fellow preacher with Paul. He even went to prison with Paul. Maybe he felt overwhelmed with Paul's circumstance. Maybe he felt alone. Maybe that's why he left. Regardless, Demas dropped out. You know, the lessons from the Ark, in fact, in most of Scripture, is that we are never alone. The Holy Spirit works with us and through us, and that means the Spirit is right there with us. God was with Noah and his family on the Ark. God was with Jesus to the very end on the cross. And God never leaves us, even when we're stressed to the max. So I want to encourage you today not, not to drop out. Don't drop out on God. Don't drop out on the church. Like that cat in the poster I described earlier, just hang in there. And now, as we have in each of these episodes in this series on the Lessons from the Ark, We'll conclude with a conversation with Reverend Dr. Richard Randolph. He's a United Methodist pastor who is also the Director of Stewardship for the Nebraska United Methodist Foundation. Let's see what he has to say on this topic of perseverance. Joined again in this series about the Ark by uh, Reverend Dr. Richard Randolph. He's going to continue as he's been doing these last few episodes, helping us kind of understand the text and uh, also giving us some things to think about how that text applies to us. Um, our scripture for this episode is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 18. And it's a, it's a message from the Apostle Paul that he clearly is feeling um, that he's, he's feeling down about things. Um, he's having a tough time. In particular, he mentions uh, Demas, uh, who was a, a follower of his, who had traveled with him. And he basically says he abandoned him. And I wonder how we as Christians sometimes feel that and the weight. It seems kind of weird to say it, but when somebody leaves us, we actually kind of feel a weight of that that void, yeah. <laughs> for lack of a better way to put it, and how that is tough for us as, as followers of Christ sometimes. Um, what, what What is your take? As you read that Second Timothy text, what are some of the things that you take away from it? So I would say well, one of the things is that uh, the lifestyle of being a Christian is 
more of a distance race than a sprint. That it's something we do all of our lives. And uh, inevitably there will be um, challenges. Um, we don't succeed always in what we're trying to do. Uh, there are setbacks and that what we need to do when we encounter those things is to keep our eye on on Jesus and um, to uh, uh, to know that we're not alone, even though we may feel alone and even though we may feel abandoned, abandoned by people that we trusted. Mm. So um, that, that's basically, I think, what I take from that particular passage. It's an important passage in my, in my faith. For me, it's important to realize that I'm not in that on that journey by myself. That Jesus is mm-hmm. is walking, walking with me, uh, and so I'm not alone. So that passage uh, brings up the abandonment, but I think there's also and maybe I'm reading it wrong. You can tell me you're far more the expert at this than me. But there's also a hint of reconciliation in there, because Paul encourages Mark to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, be with him. And, and remember Mark, and he had a really big falling out that led to Barnabas mm-hmm. and, and Paul having the separation. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least I think I have the right parties in that. Um, in my mind, though, that, this, that actually kind of makes this passage kind of a, uh, a reminder that amid these bad things that sometimes can happen, we can have people that we trusted do something that causes us to lose that trust with them. But then we can also rebuild relationship. Right. Because um, in effect, what had happened is the same feeling Paul had about Demas. At one point, he had about Mark. And now he's asking for Mark to come. So he, he's, he's reconciled that in his mind somehow. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I, I think that's kind of an interesting thing. It's a good reminder for us as Christians to always seek the reconciliation, I guess, is where I'm going with that. Yeah, I think um, we should always strive for reconciliation uh Jesus said love your enemies and um so that's part it's part of the teachings uh, for me that doesn't um exclude accountability you can be reconciled with somebody but there may still be an accountability or consequences mm-hmm. uh but for me part of being perfect in love is is loving not only the the person who cut me off on the on the the city street here in Lincoln, but it's also loving that person. And in this text, for for Paul, it was it was Mark, and then Demas. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be to be perfect in love means that even if you are separated um, from somebody else, um, that you strive for reconciliation. Because that's part of what it means to be perfect in love. It's like you're always loving. You're always trying to think the best of the other person. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, I think that's really important. Um, well, it's also, if we're, if we're honest, so the, the whole concept of the cross was reconciliation, reconciling humanity to God to bridge the gap of the chasm that sin created between us. Um, I'm not going to get too far in the weeds on that, but uh, mm-hmm. to me, that's just the way I've always kind of thought about it is the, the whole idea of reconciliation um, kind of brings peace to my heart a little bit that that's that's a step that God took uh, and Jesus took in particular to help us 
achieve that. Yeah. Uh, and Paul is, is kind of having that little mini moment in this passage about Mark. And if, at some point, he's also going to have to come to that with Demas in some way. I don't know if right. he ever does, but right. um, you kind of hope, you kind of root, you're rooting that they, that they have a reconciliation somewhere down the road. Yeah, I, our conversation... Um, right, right now reminds me of, um, um, the, uh, I saw this uh, years ago. There's, um, there was a serial killer in, in Oregon called the Green River Killer. Mm-hmm. And, um, he killed a number of, um, young women, raped and killed them. He was captured and, uh, and tried and found guilty of uh, all of these these murders that he had done, and then there was the the day for the. <laughs> I get, I get emotional telling this story, um, but there was the day of this where there was the judge was having the time to to hear before he he passed the, arra- the arraignment or the the, the, the sentence. Oh, sentencing. He had already been convicted, okay. so. Family member after family member of all these women were able to to say what he'd done to them, and and they were so spiteful. They was like, "I hope you ride in hell. I hope you you're going to die and go to hell. I hope your life is filled with pain and in prison and and all of that." And um, the the killer just sat stone faced through the whole thing. And finally, this one guy gets up. And he he says, "You've really hurt me. You've taken my daughter." And a lot of people have said how they how much they hate you, but but I want you to know that that uh, I'm a Christian, and Jesus says we need to forgive everyone and to love everyone, and so. I want you to know that even though you've hurt me so much and you killed my daughter, you are forgiven. Wow. Courtroom is dead silence. Stone silence, right? Stone silence. But what was important was to me was that when the man uh, said the words, I forgive you, the killer's face broke Mm. because he wasn't expecting to hear that. And it was a moment of, of forgiveness and reconciliation. And I think that, that guy, um, whose name I don't even know or re- recall, provides a model of, of, of what we've been talking about, of the importance of, of being, if you're going to love everyone, that includes loving and forgiving even those people that have hurt you the, the most terribly. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so I think that's what Paul may be working on and what we're called to as Christians. Now, I'm not, I don't know if I could do that if I was in that yeah. gentleman's place. It's tough, but as a, I was a journalist for 20 years and had the opportunity to witness a couple of times when that same kind of thing happened. Mm-hmm. Obviously a much smaller scale. These weren't serial killer types of things. But um, yeah, it's like, wow, I, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah. Um, I'd like to think that I could. But I, I I couldn't sit here and tell you for sure that I would have those feelings. Um, I think that's a, that's a, like we were talking about in the previous episode that going on to perfection yeah. <laughs> or working toward perfection. Right. That's a that's pretty good progress. 
I guess. On right. That, on yeah, that. I would probably say, you know, John Wesley thought he never claimed perfection for himself, but he thought he knew people whom he would say mm -hmm. was were perfect in love. So I think this this father would definitely be in that category. Wow. I would say in my own life, my father-in-law, I think, was lived a faithful life where he was perfect in love, um, which is great to have for your father-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and, and you know, so the, obviously the example that that sets uh, for others around that person, um, because let's just be honest, in today's world, you don't see that very often. Right. I don't think you've ever seen that very often. Yeah. But it's what we're called to. I mean, being a Christian's not easy. If you're going to be really a true disciple of Jesus, that's not an e it's not easy. Not easy at all. And and this is one of the hardest parts. But that's what we're that's what we're called to be. I mean, if we're going to be a follower of Christ, then Jesus is the role model. And so what did Jesus do on that cross? He forgave the people who crucified him. Mm-hmm. Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. So when we talk about perseverance, maybe it's it's uh, less uh, less some of the normal ways. Or that at least I think about it, and has more to do with really working at it, working at this thing called being a follower of Christ. Right. Um, it's a full contact sport, and then some. <laughs> Richard, thanks for joining me on this episode of In Layman's Terms. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Richard Randolph. We've come a long way in our preparation for our own metaphorical arcs as we prepare for the storms of life. And we have one more concept to discuss. Next time, we're going to talk about Jesus, and we're going to talk about purpose. In Layman's Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifert. If you like what you've heard in this episode, please go rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps others find us. And if you're so inclined, please share the link to this podcast on your social media channels. Our music and sound effects come via subscriptions to Universal Production Music and to Storyblocks. You can find archived episodes on the conference website at www.greatplainsumc.org podcasts or on my website, toddseifert.com. Please email me with any questions or comments to tseifert at greatplainsumc.org and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thank you for listening, and until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.